0: You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer, And on today's show, we have John Kegley here for What Went Wrong. One of the original members of the show, and this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. For me, I love watching my game with Pepsi because sometimes you just have to chug a Pepsi when the Chargers blow leads or give you a heartbreaking loss, but Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now together for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, and this is our third season as the host of the Locked on Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome in. I'm glad on today's show we get to get into a what went right and what went wrong when there's some substantial right things to talk about but welcome into all of our new listeners we really appreciate you guys checking out the show and a special thank you to anybody checking us out again and all of our loyal fans out there. But we do have a fun show for you guys today, but we're going to start with some injury news because Uchanan Nwosu had to leave the game on Sunday, and now we have an update on how long he could potentially be out. And we'll also talk about the effects of that having on the pass rush that hasn't been good and also get into some updates on Chris Harris Jr. and Austin Eckler, who could be making some return trips here from the injured reserve list and then in the second segment we'll be getting into what went wrong with our expert John Kegley the pessimist before getting into what went right from this Chargers game and at least there was some stuff to talk about there including Justin Herber and Keenan Allen obviously just blowing up in this game but let's go ahead and get into it. On Monday we found out the extent to edge rusher Uchenin Nwosu's injury and how long he is going to be missing for the Chargers. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogemeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. The Chargers have not had a great pass rush so far this year, even with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, but one of the players they had that was actually rushing the passer pretty well in very limited snaps was Uchenna Nwosu, and he had to leave Sunday's game with an injury, and we now have an update on that as Aaron Wilson on Twitter put Chargers outside linebacker Uchenna Nwosu sprained the AC joint in his shoulder Sunday and is expected to miss roughly 3 weeks per league sources initially there was a concern it was much more serious but now we know what it is with uchenna Wosu and we could potentially see him getting put on injured reserve but i think if they think he is going to be back a little bit sooner than that 3 week timetable you will see him not be put on injured reserve this week so we should know by this weekend david but Obviously, this is bad right now because the Chargers pass rush has struggled, but you also wanted to see a little bit more of what you had in Uchen Nwosu because Melvin Ingram is going to be an unrestricted free agent after the season.
1: Yeah, and Melvin Ingram has not done very much of anything as far as getting after the quarterback this year, and you really needed to have this opportunity to see what you had in your younger player, your younger pass rusher, in Uchenna Nwosu, who has actually done a fairly good job of getting after the quarterback. I mean, he has three and a half sacks this year, which is actually only one sack behind the team leader, Joey Bosa, who has four and a half. So this is a bad timing for Uchenna Nwosu and for the Chargers because They are missing a prime opportunity to see exactly what Nuoso can do when he is one of the primary pass rushers. The Chargers already are not getting after the quarterback at a good enough rate, and now they're going to lose one of their best sack artists for at least three weeks. I would not be surprised if that timeline holds true that he is another person that gets added to the IR list for the Chargers this year. Yeah, and especially
0: the defensive side of the ball for the Chargers has been hit extremely hard. You have Drew Tranquil and Derwin James likely to miss the entire season. You've had Chris Harris Jr. on injured reserve for an extended stay, and you've already missed out on Melvin Ingram and Justin Jones for three games so far this year already, so that's not getting any better for the Chargers, but they could be getting some players back this week offensively. And defensively, it's still too soon to tell whether they will be back for sure. But Anthony Lynn at his press conference on Monday did talk about Chris Harris Jr., and Austin Eckler. And when he was talking about Chris Harris Jr., he basically said that he could return this week from injured reserve. They have a 21-day window to activate him, and that started last week. So we could see him back. And in Austin Eckler's case, Anthony Allen once again said he didn't want to put a timetable on anything. That's one of the things he says all the time. But he did say that would be nice. We certainly miss him. But whenever he's ready, he'll be ready. So David even though they are losing a player in Nuosu who is definitely important to their defense, it seems like they're getting close to getting a couple guys back.
1: Yes, they are. And the Chargers desperately need the help, especially on the defensive side. In the secondary, when you see guys, veteran guys like Casey Hayward struggling, young guys like Nazir Adderley struggling, Chris Harris Jr. coming back healthy will be a nice calming presence and hopefully bring some of that veteran leadership back to this secondary group and, uh, you know, a healthy body to help kind of shore things up a little bit. The reason why we know that Chris Harris Jr. is close is because someone on Twitter asked him if he was going to be coming back, and he said next week, indicating that he'd be ready for this Bills game. So if he is ready to come back, this secondary will definitely welcome him with open arms, as will the offense if Austin Eckler is ready to come back. He posted a video on Twitter of him squatting and a message saying, Mid-season form, all the rehab boxes are checked. Up next getting back out there. So he's said a couple of things on Twitter that would indicate that he is very, very close to coming back. Hopefully this is the week that Austin Eckler is able to practice. And if we see him come back and practice in a full participation situation, that would feel much better about Austin Eckler coming back. Two guys that the Chargers have desperately missed on both sides of the ball look like they are going to make their way back very, very soon. Daniel. And it can't
0: come soon enough for either side of the football, especially when you look at what Austin Eckler is able to do on the offensive side of the ball. They've been pretty good without him, but if you even look at this last game, the Chargers running backs at 11 catches for 43 yards. Austin Eckler averages about 10 yards per catch for his career. So just to have that kind of weapon, especially when you're dinking and dunking to your running backs and hoping somebody can make a linebacker miss. I think Austin Eckler is huge in that regard, and it could just give a boost to the Chargers running game in general, which was very poor last week. And especially with Kalen Balazs banged up in that last game, had to leave on the final series of the game for the offense. The Chargers running back depth is very, very thin, and one of the guys that's healthy had negative two yards last week on four carries, which was Josh Kelly. So the Chargers desperately need reinforcements if they want to make a push down the stretch of the season to try to salvage what's left. But we do have two more segments to get into. We're going to start with what went wrong and then end things on a positive note with what went right. And in the next segment we'll be talking about, you know, the Chargers giving up a defensive collapse, balls flying over the head of Chargers defenders and much more. But before we get into that, I have to tell you guys about a sponsor I'm super excited about and that is Axe on Taser. Yes, that's a Taser we're talking about. Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough to To carry with you in your glove compartment or your purse yet they're powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker they can incapacitate an attacker up to 30 seconds and it doesn't have to be a burglar or something like that you could take it with you on your hikes to protect you from wildlife or whatever you need it for and and many think that it's a safer option to keep around your house on a daily basis and john i know you're super excited we're all super excited for this sponsor but you actually just got your taser in the mail
2: Yes, I got the Taser flashlight in the mail, and that thing has a nice, powerful, loud shock to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's intimidating just when you hear the thing, let alone... Trying to feel it up close and personal. But that is the Taser Strike Light that he's talking about. The other one that is a must-have is the Taser Pulse Plus. Taser is available without a permit in most of the United States. And you can get the Taser Pulse Plus or the Taser Strike Light at Taser.com with the promo code NFL. And you can save 15% right now at Taser.com, promo code NFL. They do not give discounts very often. You guys are definitely going to want to have one of these. That's T A S. -S 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 ER er.com promo code nfl restrictions apply see site for details all right guys well it's time to get into something we try to get into every single week and that is getting into what went right and what went wrong and on today's show we're going to be starting with what went wrong as we usually do because we usually like to end the show in a positive note, plus there's usually more to fit in with the what went wrong part of it, so it gives us a better idea of how long the show is going to be that weekend. Even though the Chargers ended up pulling off the victory 34-28 to against the Jets, it didn't feel great, so I know that we're all waiting on bated breath to hear what John, the king of wrong, the most pessimistic man that you're going to find on the Chargers side of the football, the man that always... Looks to find things that he can correct for the Chargers. John Kegley, you are the master. What went wrong this week for the Chargers?
2: Wow, my intros just keep getting better. I, I am really loving this.
0: Four years from now, they're going to take up half the show.
2: <laughs> oh, I cannot wait for that. Uh, for me, I'm gonna have. I can go anywhere really. There's a lot of stuff that went wrong in this game. Even the block punt just to start a game. I mean,
0: special I mean,
2: teams. Ugh. Oh, god no you know it's it's a problem and yet it's still not fixed but it's got for me the biggest thing has got to be how you closed out that game you are playing the worst team in the league you're moving the ball pretty well and you're still being conservative on offense you know you're fourth and one at like the five and yet you kick a field goal instead of going for the kill shot touchdown that would have made it a three possession lead on defense you are still going back to that bend don't break defense even though you are getting pressure on the QB you still do not trust your defense enough to blitz when it counts. And that allowed first downs. You're allowing the Jets to move the ball on you. Casey Hayward somehow still going to beat deep and you're not sending him help over the top when you know it's still going to keep on coming. What is what's it going to take? What is it going to take for you to actually be aggressive and go for the kill shot on defense and offense, even against a worse team than you've probably played all year or
0: last year? I mean, it would be hard to make the argument that they've played a worse team over the last couple of seasons. I mean, Miami last year when they played them looked like that kind of bad when the Chargers faced off against them, but they ended up turning it around in the second half of the season. They were a much better team than this Jets team. And this Jets team has pushed a couple of pretty good teams like the Bills. And then they also got, you know, pretty close to the Patriots, but who knows how good that Patriots team is. I guess the Chargers will find out here pretty soon. But Obviously, you covered a lot right there. A lot of that, we you know, separate things were a lot of the things that went wrong. But specifically, not finishing the game defensively, David, is something I have to talk about. Just because in the second half after, really, the charge defense didn't really give up anything in the first half. When you really think about it, the only points that the Jets got in the first half were set up by the blocked punt at the beginning of the game on the first drive. They only had to go 29 yards for the touchdown. They would have had three points no matter what. So let's just say they gave up three points in that first half. And then in the second half, you not only give up three consecutive touchdown drives, I mean, which is obviously brutal, but you were just giving up big play after big play. I mean, John talked about Ben, but don't break, but this is just breaking and then breaking and then breaking. I mean, in the second half, the Chargers gave up eight plays of at least 15 yards, including penalties and including the 49 yard touchdown over the top of Casey Hayward. So the Chargers' defense after pretty much throttling the jets offense in the first half comes up in the second half and does something we've seen from them all season. No adjustments were made. The jets ended up making offensive adjustments and the way it happened was just absolutely brutal.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's no reason why this Jets team should be anywhere close to being able to keep up with the performance that the chargers were able to do in the first half. But you then yet again, the chargers crumble and they stop you know being aggressive and stop going out there and scoring points they only scored 10 points in the second half when they scored 24 in the first half it just doesn't make sense i mean you good teams play their best football in the second half the chargers always just seem to always allow their opponents to come back And steal victories from them. Thankfully, they didn't in this game. But we talked about a guy, unfortunately, I hate to do this, but Casey Hayward was one of the things that went wrong in this game. I mean, he was targeted and he was abused. He allowed four receptions on six targets for 81 yards and a touchdown, which was good for 20.3 yards per reception and unfortunately I would like to say this is an, an anomaly but it's not Casey Hay- Casey Hayward is allowing 18.3 yards per reception this year and has allowed five touchdowns Casey uh, has been great for the Chargers in the last several years I mean one of the best free agent signings uh, of Tom Telesco's career as a general manager but I think we're unfortunately seeing Casey Hayward start to go downhill.
0: Well, it's crazy, too, just because we talked about it last week. I mean, one of my keys for success defensively is don't get beat over the top. Don't give up big plays because you know, as a winless team, they are going to take shots. And what did they do in the second half? They took every shot that they could. I mean, the last drive, the last three plays for the Jets were just them hucking the ball down the field and hoping something would happen, which, by the way, is what got them back into this game. But the weird thing about Casey Hayward is not all of them have just been him Straight up getting burned. He's been in the position to make a play on a lot of these passes. I mean, there's a couple that he hasn't been. But the weird thing is is just what he's lost as far as maybe tracking the ball, high pointing the ball, attacking the catch point. These are all things that he used to be very good at. He has great ball skills in the past. He led the NFL in interceptions. Yet now when the ball is in the air, he just seems lost. And it's just a really weird thing. Obviously, speed has never been Casey Hayward's game. But he was still able to limit those big catches, whether it's running a receiver into the boundary, whether it was just being savvy enough to get them off their route and be able to make a play when the ball is in the air. But that has just disappeared for the Chargers. And then also, John, I mean, the penalties, because it wasn't just getting beat deep. It's the Chargers having costly penalties. They had three penalties on one drive, two pass interferences and also an illegal contact downfield. I mean, you add that in with the more offsides that we got in this game that we hadn't really seen since Joey Bosa got hurt, but he comes back and has another one. But it's hard enough to stop every, every offense after they've made some adjustments, but you just absolutely shoot yourself in the foot when they're already beating you deep, and now you're just going to give them free yards and free first downs because every one of those penalties on that drive that led to a touchdown were on third down that gave away free first downs.
2: And you had more penalties than an O and ten team. That that's pretty sloppy. You they you had nine penalties and the Jets had eight.
0: And another crucial special teams penalty too. I mean yeah. on, on at the end of the game.
2: Yes. I don't understand how you get so many defensive pass interference penalties on one drive. It still kind of blows my mind that I kept seeing flag penalty defensive pass interference. Oh, here's another one. Oh, here's another one. I'm just, I couldn't believe it, and God, I don't even know how to ex- how to say this without like saying the wrong words, but it's pretty pathetic that you keep getting beat the same way over and over again, and then it leads to a penalty on top of that. As a defensive coordinator, you need to really step up and make this work, because I'm really getting tired of seeing, first you're getting beat play-calling-wise, and now you're getting beat so bad physically by a horrible team that you're getting flagged for defensive PI, Perryman's illegal contact was kind of just him thinking he was within the five yards, so I'm not going to really hold that against him. That's not and I really, thought he was too. But. Yeah, I, I'm not going to really hold that against him, but if you're getting beat deep, you have to yank on a guy or push him out of bounds the whole time, even though the pass was overthrown out of bounds. You need to locate the ball and know what the right play to beat it is. Michael Davis got beat and he knew he got beat, so he had to push a guy out of bounds rather than be able to turn his head and focus on the ball. Hey, didn't we say that before? (laughs) Michael Davis, turn your head around. Well, it it happened again.
0: Yeah, it did. And it's just crazy to see these same things happening. And Michael Davis at least has made some improvements in his game in that aspect. But, I mean, even Tavon Campbell at the end of the game, not getting his head around could have crossed the Chargers right there and put the ball on the three-yard line. So, it's just so important. I mean, Ron Milis, obviously someone we've talked about as a good coach, isn't doing enough with these guys. I guess just putting them in those situations where their back is to the ball and they have to turn around to try to make a play on a deep ball. I mean, you know what's happening in practice, but the players aren't looking like they're practicing it, and that's a little bit concerning. But flipping it over to the running game, I thought on both sides, letting the Jets, I mean, they averaged four yards a carry. It wasn't crazy they stiffened up at the end but there was plenty of times in there where the Chargers could not stop the run the first time the Jets had the ball they ran the ball four times didn't let Flacco throw it at all and they got a touchdown so they were getting pushed around a little bit that way it did get a little bit better as the game progressed but on the flip side David the Chargers running game was absolutely putrid I mean when you look at just the running backs first of all joshua kelly four carries for negative two yards is um, inexcusable i mean even if the blocking's not good you have to be able to make it back to the line of scrimmage and i'm not going to you know put any excuses up for an offensive line that wasn't great in this game either also part of what went wrong but when you're getting 16 carries for 44 yards less than three yards per carry for calin Troy May pope three carries for four yards just a little bit over one yard per carry for him and then you have joshua kelly's negative yardage and you added you know Ty Long just running negative 28 yards. I mean, it was a terrible rushing performance by the Chargers. Yeah, well,
1: yeah. I mean, it made the Chargers offense one-dimensional. Thankfully, (laughs) Justin Herbert absolutely carved up the Jets secondary and, you know, had a career day, but... The Chargers can't expect to be able to do this against every opponent because there are going to be teams that are going to be on the schedule, probably one we're going to see here in the next few days, that is going to make you have to be multiple on offense. You're not going to be able to just not run the ball effectively and expect things to be wide open in the passing game the whole game. It's just not going to happen. So the Chargers have to get better and get back to running the football more effectively, more efficiently. Hopefully, Austin Eckler is able to come back and kind of form that smash and dash package with Kalen Balaj, and why isn't Tremaine Pope getting more involved I mean we saw him go out there and and perform really well and then he barely gets any carries the next several games I just don't get it
0: I mean you would have to think that he would get at least one more carry than Joshua Kelly who I mean they basically had the same they each had four Kalen Balaj got the bell cow work of things but I do have to give some credit because the Chargers didn't just keep trying to bash their head in the wall and run on first down they did throw a lot more on first down in this game. But at this point, your running game is non-existent. And you saw it show up at the end of the game when you're trying to put the game away. You had to throw the ball three times when you're trying to run clock. I mean, I like the plays. But at the same time, when you do that, it's just making it so obvious the Jets were ready for all of those plays. The Jets were making the Chargers lose four yards per carry You know, on their last drive twice. They lost four yards on running plays because the Jets knew it was coming And the Chargers, I mean, all you've wanted is for them to be able to, the other team knows it's coming, and you're still going to be able to get positive yardage on a running play. And that couldn't be any further from the truth from what we're seeing right now from this team. So the offensive line and the running backs, both with poor performances in this one. And thank God Justin Herbert didn't have a turnover in this game because he had no help outside of that. So we will get into what went right. And obviously Justin Herbert's included in that coming up. Right after this but first I need to tell you guys that when you're getting towards the end of your day I know a lot of you probably get sleepy it feels like it's time to take a nap but sometimes you don't have time for it you have work to do or something you have to get done and for that I have a built go from the creators of a built bar you can't necessarily carry around an energy drink in your pocket but with these easy to take one-and-a-half-ounce packages. You can put them in your briefcase, you can put them in your golf bag, or you can even put them in your pocket. And what it is, is it's like a five-hour energy drink without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster with a third of the caffeine and better results. They have three delicious flavors, peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and a chocolate mint. And right now, you guys can go to BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED. L-O-C-K-E-D, all caps, for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. All right, guys, well, let's flip it over to what went right in this game, and it's nice to get a win, so that is obviously something that went right, and Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen both had standout performances, but it does feel nice to just have some things to talk about for this part of the show this week, so... David, when you're looking at what went right for this game, I mean, you are the optimist, and obviously a lot of things went wrong, but where would you start the bidding as the things you thought went most right for the Chargers in this one?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to skip over Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert and let one of you guys talk about them because, I mean, we already knew they had a phenomenal game. I'm going to go to somebody who is a little bit more unheralded, and that was... Tavon Campbell I thought Tavon Campbell had a pretty damn good game and anytime you get a pick six even though it was an easy one I mean the Chargers have been so desperate to get turnovers and you know not only was this a turnover it was a touchdown and per Elias Sports Mr. Tavon Campbell became the first Canadian born defender to score a touchdown in Chargers franchise history so a big uh, congratulations to Tavon Campbell for that Uh, although he did not get his head around on that final play he was the one that got in in the way at least although I was scared that that were they were going to call that one it seems like they always call that one against the Chargers it did not happen I thought he played a very good game came up with a big interception so welcome to the Chargers in the NFL Tavon Campbell I was definitely impressed
0: with Tavon Campbell and you have to be careful out there because he does have dreads Like Jalil Adai, he is out there with the number 37, which is obviously what Adai used to wear. Now Adai is 36, so those can be confusing at times because they both have the long dreads. But I was impressed by Tavon Campbell. I gave him a shout-out on yesterday's show just by being, you know, kind of one of the people in the Chargers secondary that didn't have an awful game. I mean, Michael Davis had his moments. But at the same time, I mean, Tavon Campbell had the best game of all of them. I mean, even the big reception that he did give up towards the sideline, I honestly don't think that was a catch. And it also would have been pretty good coverage, even if he had caught it. But also, you just have to respect a guy who's had to, you know, make his way from the Canadian Football League to make it to the NFL and then to pick off, you know, a former Super Bowl MVP, even though it is still a Joe Flacco. But I mean, that moment must just be surreal for that kid. And, The nice thing was is he wasn't getting beat on the outside, John, and that was a nice thing to see. I mean, you weren't seeing him get outran down the sideline. I mean, I would say if Chris Harris Jr. was missing any more games, I think he'd probably have the first crack at the outside cornerback spot outside of Michael Davis and then let Casey Hayward Jr. play in the slot. But it does make me wonder if Chris Harris Jr. comes back, do you think that we could see Casey Hayward in the slot with Chris Harris Jr. on the outside or something? But, I mean, Tavon Campbell definitely deserved a shout out and it's going to be interesting to see what they do once they're getting Chris Harris Jr. back.
2: It will be interesting just because you have a pretty bad record you kind of start need to start playing a little bit more desperate start changing some things up try new things out if you want a chance at the playoffs and moving some corners around might be a difference maker you just saw Campbell prove himself and now Michael Davis has shown that he can be somewhat reliable on the outside Casey Hayward Moving to the slot might be a decent move. And if you have Chris Harris back, you could do a lot more things with that now. Because now you have four guys that you can say, all right, we've seen enough from all four of these guys to know that we can do something here. Let's just put them all in different spots and see where the chips fall. But at the same time, is Gus Bradley going to be willing to do that? I've only seen him make one major adjustment ever As a Chargers defensive coordinator, that was when he had no other choice but to bring all the DBs on the field because he had no linebackers and it worked out great. But that's like the only time I've seen Bradley make a major adjustment. Other than that, he's always done the same thing over and over again, no adjustments. So for me, though, what went right in this game would be Keenan Allen setting a franchise record with 16 receptions. The guy was really reliable in this game. And I know, I believe I said he was going to get under on the – over under for the season on catches, but that was because Tyrod Taylor 100%. Was, was supposed to be the QB. <laughs> so I wasn't expecting this, but with Herbert being the QB, rookie QB, who is showing he can lead this team, Keenan Allen has been his reliable go to guy, just like it was for Phillip Rivers. And I think Keenan Allen's helped Herbert become a lot more comfortable this year and with his offense because he knows worst case scenario he has a guy he can rely on if the play is breaking down he's out of the pocket needs someone to throw to if he needs a reliable third down guy he's knowing that Keenan Allen is that guy and I think it makes it a lot
0: easier for him to transition well and I think that we're seeing that Phil Rivers could have potentially even been holding Keenan Allen back a little bit I mean only because of the fact that even though Justin Herbert didn't play in the first game and Keenan Allen did not have a good game that first game, if you think all the way back to the Bengals game, but he's about to put up his best season of all time. I mean, he's on pace for 130 catches. No one does that outside of, you know, Michael Thomas and he's adding the touchdowns at six touchdowns, which is like the most he's had in the last five or six seasons. I mean, six is always the cap and he has a chance to beat that by a few this season but i think you saw that chemistry between those two guys on that little back shoulder throw and you talk you hear them talk about you know practicing that all the time in practice and you know they're doing that hey Justin Herbert we're near the end zone roll out if nothing's available right away wait for those receivers to make a move in the back of the end zone the play before that they tried to do it with Hunter Henry in that game too but Keenan Allen is spectacular Justin Herbert is spectacular and i mean to think that Keenan Allen with how good he's already been going into the season could potentially have his best game I mean best season you know this year with a first year quarterback in 15 games is mind-boggling but it is the reality that we are living in right now because he has been absolutely on fire and he's been crushing
1: it for my fantasy football team but getting into some- and Keenan Allen's been crushing it for his career because he has the most receptions in 96 games in NFL history so Keenan Allen just killing it love yeah. it love it
0: Yeah, and I think probably, you know, I know someone said this on Twitter, but Michael Thomas will definitely break that someday just because, I mean, the guy had like 150 catches in this season. But I think it just shows you, I mean, on a per-game basis that Keenan Allen is as good as it's going to get. Because, I mean, if you're talking about seasons, obviously he lost a couple of those due to injury. But when he's in the game, he's an absolute game changer. So flipping over to the, you know, say something nice about the defenses, I guess, is something that we're going to have to do. And what I will give them credit for in this game is getting the stop at the end. I mean, there was no guarantee that the Chargers were going to win this game. The Jets were down with time on the clock, and they didn't commit the big errors that they had done on previous drives, David. I mean, we saw the whole philosophy for the Jets in the second half was throw the ball up in the air, hope to get a pass interference, hope that Denzel Mims is going to out-jump everybody, or Bashad Perriman is going to outrun everybody. But on the last drive of the game, when the Jets really needed to get some points on the board and could have tied the game, the Chargers' defense came through. And I mean, they really came through twice because Joey Bosa sacked Joe Flacco and then got a roughing the passer penalty. But even with that additional 15 yards, the Chargers' defense came through. So even though the Chargers didn't play well defensively in the second half at all, I mean, I wouldn't even say they're a good defensive football team right now. They did something in this game. We hadn't seen much of them this year. The game is on the line you have to get a stop to ensure that you're going to get a win, and they went out there and did it.
1: Yeah, exactly. They, they they did enough. They did enough to be able to put the game away when it mattered, and we've seen them falter too many times this season not to be scared to death that they were going to do it again in this one, but they did not. They held on, and that was you know what contributed to my last what went right is that They got the win. I mean, they did not uh, succumb to the pressure of becoming the laughingstock of the league by losing to the winless Jets. They snuck out of there with the victory. They got their third win of the year. They finally got the little monkey off their back. But, hey, there's still six more games left on the schedule, and we'll have to see what they can do. Hopefully, they take some momentum uh, from not succumbing to the pressure of losing to the Jets absolutely i
0: mean they escaped the most brutal loss of their season is what they did and that's definitely something that went right in this game because as you know we're still talking about that browns game in 2016 right now so those things stick around when you are that team especially inside your own fan base you get those nightmares you get those flashbacks and the chargers avoided one of those this week and that is nothing that we should take for granted at all i mean the chargers didn't blow it at the end even against a bad team. There's no way that they should have. But at the end of the day, they finished a the game. And even though it wasn't a complete finishing by the team, the offense could have won the game you know themselves and just kneeled out the time on the clock. But the Chargers defense gets it done this week and the Chargers get another win. And of course, I mean what went right. We have to at least mention the God known as Justin Herbert, who is, you know, going for his seventh pepsi rookie of the week award i believe or eighth in like nine weeks something along those lines and he's definitely going to get it again this week he could be the fedex air player of the week among the entire nfl and with his you know 366 yards three touchdowns no interceptions another turnover less game for him i mean any pick for him in that game he still would have had a good game i still would have said he played a pretty good game even with one interception but one interception there probably loses them the game, and he would put another game on tape where he goes
1: without even throwing a ball that's almost intercepted, so I think we do have to mention that. One of the things I liked about this performance about Justin Herbert is that he spread the ball around. He had four receivers with at least four receptions in this game outside of the huge performance from Keenan Allen, so got to love that. You also
2: got to mention Denzel Perryman is absolutely throwing Makai Becton on the floor too. That's got to be part <laughs> of this what went right.
1: Yeah. Oh man, that was so beautiful. I mean, we put up a, a video of that on our Twitter account, Locked On LAC, of just Denzel Perryman running over. And mind you, Denzel Perryman's five foot eleven, and Makai Becton is like six eight, three hundred and sixty pounds, and Denzel Perriman absolutely puts him on his ass. It's something you have to see if you not if you have not seen it. It is a thing to behold. He's the only,
0: I would think, Uber physical player the Chargers have on their defense, and it showed up again in this game he also got the only sack of the game and Denzel Perryman somehow shot up the list of players that should be you know near the top of who the Chargers should bring back next season which is something we did not think we would be saying going into this year he's been their best linebacker all year if you can keep sneaking him in under the radar on lesser deals I think you have to do it but Denzel Perryman deserves the shout out Justin Herbert is on pace to put up a better season than a lot of MVPs in this league have ever put up. And I think we just have to take a second to appreciate that because right now, I mean, (laughs) the only thing even keeping this coaching staff probably in general manager Tom Telesco's job intact is the fact that they have brought along this future NFL superstar. But that is going to do it for today's show. It is going to be a little bit different this week. Like I said, yesterday, Thanksgiving is on Thursday, so we always record the night before. So, the Friday show will not be there this week, but we will have a Thanksgiving show for you guys that morning that's going to have all of our predictions and all of that. And for tomorrow's show, if we can get it scheduled, tomorrow will actually be the crossover day. So we'll going back to the uh, crossover Wednesday format from last season. So make sure you come back for that. If not, we'll try to get into some voicemails. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page LockedOnChargers, as well as subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or giving us a follow on Spotify that's always the fastest and easiest way to get the show. If you guys want to get in for tomorrow's potential voicemail episode the number is 323-524-7924 for the Lockdown Chargers voicemail line and we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But we're we'll back with you guys tomorrow it should be crossover Wednesday with the Lockdown Bills podcast but until then take it easy and go bolts.